Hello, everyone. Welcome to our first Thomson Reuters legal podcast in Hong Kong. My name is Polly Poon. I am the senior proposition leader for Legal Tracker in Asia and emerging markets. This podcast is supported by Legal Tracker, the matter management and e-billing solution, trusted by more than 1,300 corporate legal departments around the world. We are here today to talk about how many law firms and legal departments in Hong Kong are prioritizing innovation in 2020. We are pleased to have Sebastian Ko and Elizabeth Beatty joining us today, two subject matter experts on business and innovation in the legal markets. Sebastian is a legal tech entrepreneur and chairs the InnoTech Law Hub of the Law Society of Hong Kong. Previously, he was the senior legal counsel and Asia regional head of e-discovery review at a global legal tech solutions provider. He is also a trained physicist and is legally qualified in Hong Kong and the US. Sebastian has practiced in Magic Circle and Amlaw 100 firms. Sebastian, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to have you both here today. Today's corporations need law departments to provide legal support that enables them to maximize their competitive advantage and safeguarding the organization against unnecessary risks. However, nowadays firms and legal departments, particularly in Hong Kong, are undertaking challenges like increasing competition from PLC firms and the continuing pressure on the in-house legal departments to carry out more works while reducing their costs. The topic we are discussing today is why many firms and legal departments are prioritizing innovation in 2020. As suggested by 2019 State of Corporate Law Department reports, today's legal departments need support of modern working processes and systems to offer significantly more value to their organizations and ultimate shareholders. If I may start with you first, Sebastian, recently you were involved in a survey for the Law Society of Hong Kong, looking at the innovation priorities. Can you talk us through some of these findings? Sure, Polly. Uh, well, first off, just to note that my opinions are my own and do not represent the organizations I'm associated with. Well, in September 2019, the Law Society conducted the Innovation Value Chain Survey to take the pulse on the innovation priorities of the 11,000 solicitors and registered foreign lawyers in Hong Kong. The survey was a crucial step in launching initiatives under the Law Society under the Technology Roadmap, and the full survey results were reported in the December 2019 edition of the Hong Kong Lawyer. Now, here are five highlights from the report. Well, firstly, in terms of private practitioners, there are five critical drivers for innovation, being productivity and, and operational efficiency, work quality, risk management, and cost and budget control in those decreasing order of importance. These were shared by in-house lawyers, but interestingly, competitive edge and team coordination and management outrank risk management and cost control. Factors like client demand, talent retention, market growth were identified priorities, but not critical. Second, there are significant numbers of respondents who either are unaware of the enterprise approach to adopting technological solutions, have adopted no solution in the past 12 months, or have no plan to adopt any solution in the next 12 months. That said, third point being technology products adopted by private practitioners in the past 12 months relate to legal research, followed by document storage and management and accounting and billing tools. For in-house lawyers, Adopted products include document storage and management, document review, and document signing and execution products. 
Most private practitioners expect that the trend will continue for another 12 months, but in-house lawyers expect more team coordination and workflow management solution would be adopted. Fourth point being that over 55% of the survey's respondents are not involved in budgeting. Among those who do, only 6% of the private practitioner respondents who are involved in budgeting are willing to spend over 5% of their revenue on new technologies in the next 12 months. That allocation jumps to 12% among in-house respondents who manage budget. Fifthly and lastly, 60% of in-house respondents were neutral or did not care about the technology used by external lawyers. They selected external lawyers based on their expertise and quality of advice. That is a very interesting insight. What do you think this tells us about the state of legal market when it comes to driving innovation in Hong Kong? Well, one word, slow. But comparable to other jurisdictions, the legal profession tends to be a bit conservative and is quite reserved when it comes to trying out new tech or other innovations. But we are seeing interesting changes among the first movers, which unsurprisingly tend to be the international firms and legal departments in global banks and tech companies. Hong Kong has about 930 law firms. Nearly 89% of them are small, medium-sized firms with five partners or less. These firms generally don't have access to in-house IT professionals and have a very small IT budget. A lot of work is yet to be done on basic building block projects such as digital transformation and going paperless campaigns. How to do doc management easier, take the frictions out of the file tagging and data reuse. Well, these are key steps for more advanced technologies like machine learning and natural language processing. Because of these underlying issues, I have seen first adopter firms, which have one to two years ago bought AI contract review and other automation tools, now rolling back subscriptions uh, due to the lack of use. Now, Elizabeth, innovation can mean different things. At Thomson Reuters, we talk a lot about technology side of innovation. But what does the word mean to you? And furthermore, what other ways can it play out among firms and legal departments? I think this is a really interesting one. For many law firms, innovation does mean technology, but it can also mean adopting new ways of thinking or working as well. For some law firms, innovation is about new types of hiring, putting greater focus on DNA, changing the physical space of their offices, or perhaps it comes in the form of offering staff new types of training. When I think of innovation within law firms, it's often about creating an environment where people can experiment and, and communicate readily. Sometimes technology is the way law firms are able to do this and other times it can be as simple as starting an internal conversation or exploring where the pain points are. When you think about it, some technologies really are quite simple, but they serve a purpose. Elizabeth, as a journalist of Asian legal business, a lot of stories would have come across your desk on the topics of how in-house legal departments and firms are shaking up the business of law with technology. What are some of the highlights from 2019 and or trends that you expect to continue in 2020? I think we all know that in-house legal departments are under greater pressure than ever before, whether it's through greater cross-border work or IP work or staying on top of new regulatory changes. They also face challenges around perception as well. Uh, at our ALB in-house legal summit last year, a number of speakers talked about the stubborn perception that compliance is a showstopper. So that kind of gives you a sense of the challenges they're still up against and perhaps the barriers they face when it comes to innovating. We recently carried out our 2020 in-house survey and while we haven't seen a sudden spike in tech adoption, around 58% of respondents do believe that legal tech investment will grow this year. When it comes to areas where tech is being used, the majority say it's primarily implemented for contract and document management, 
But respondents also cited e-billing, collaboration and knowledge management, record management, analytics and review as well. It is definitely a positive change. It's without doubt that one of the key factors in a successful innovation journey is having an environment that is receptive to change and willing to challenge the status quo. What would you say are some of the commonalities you've seen among teams that have succeeded in integrating technology into their legal work? Is there any other teams that are, who are starting out on that journey can do best to ensure similar success? Sebastian, you first. Now, I want to distinguish between an IT exercise to bring in a new tool for incremental improvement versus an innovation exercise that may involve a new tool, but is ultimately about competitive growth and doing things a lot differently. There are basic change management principles to follow in both. And in working with clients, I see that the problem identification and prioritization stages of the solution's lifecycle, if done right, would already go a long way to ensuring success. Tech today is not magic. It's a tool. The new tool you're adopting needs to address specific issues in your organization. Um, have you identified what those issues are? Are those issues appropriate for the type of tech to be adopted? Uh, who are the right stakeholders to involve in the project? Well, here are some takeaways from the Law Society Innovation Survey. Most respondents note that they do not regularly review market trends or opportunities for developing new services or solutions or have periodic reviews with their clients on their service needs and including in internal clients in the case of in-house lawyers. But they will commit to training and post-project reviews on an annual or half-yearly cycle. Uh, private practitioners tend to be a little bit better than in-house in this regard, but not by much. And trainings include business and technical innovation topics, but private practitioner respondents uh, rarely conduct such reviews across departments. So these are key areas, I think, to address and pick up on, not only for process improvements, but also in integration exercises. That was very interesting results. Now, what are your thoughts, Elizabeth, on, on this? I would start by saying for firms, innovation is important, but it's not always easy. It's disruptive and it means changing processes that have been in place for a very long time. And for some, that's quite uncomfortable. But on the other side, you can really gauge when a firm is excited about the future and wants to embrace new tools or new ways of working. They tend to be really excited to share their story and you get a sense of optimism from the more senior staff to the more junior staff as well. The firms that really seem to be succeeding in this area are those that look at their own strength and use technology in a way that works for them and their unique businesses. These are firms that value their staff, they trust their brand and they want to use tech to enable them to perform at their best. They also seem to be operations that communicate more freely and welcome questions as well. That, that's really great to hear. I think it almost represents a culture from the company or the law department or the, or, the, or the law firms as well. Now, looking at the other side of the equation, Sebastian, as you know, it's not always smooth sailing when a team or firm implements a new technology. It's not uncommon to hit roadblock now and then. For legal professionals that are still grappling with new legal tech, what advice would you offer to legal teams and firms? How would you advise them on whether to push on, make changes, or when things are not working? Sure. Once you have identified the problems to uh, address, you should look for potential roadblocks and make sure they're minimized or dealt with during the innovation journey. Um, I, I think we can also have a look at the top three barriers identified by respondents to the uh, innovation survey as a starting point. For private practitioners, sufficient funding of technology and the uh, efforts to identify and adopt new ideas, uh, that's one thing. A second, leadership support. 
what's the tone from the top and time. Lawyers are caught up in a lot of firefighting day to day, leaving very little bandwidth for ideation and research. On the in-house side, it echoes some of these factors in terms of funding and time constraints, but also notes operational resource constraints, including dealing with legacy IT systems. Having a plan that addresses the above that has been developed with leadership buy-in is absolutely crucial. And even with the best laid plans, you really need to believe in the value of the innovation. The project has to be given the opportunity to run its course, and a lot of expected and unexpected risks will manifest along the way in the innovation journey. If, in fact, of course, the value is not validated in the project, then there is no use to push on. But the best organizations are resilient and will then jump right back to the drawing board and start again. I think you're spot on with the point about executive sponsors, not only on budget but also on navigating decision-making process as well. One of the trends we have seen, particularly in the U.S. and Australian markets, is that along the business growth. In law firms and law departments, the role of legal professionals is changing. There seems to be an uptick of roles such as legal project managers or legal operational personnel. Do you foresee a similar trend happening in Hong Kong? Is this something that we should start to encourage? And how, Elizabeth? I'm curious to hear views. More and more, we're seeing a sense of openness towards non-traditional legal skills in a way that wasn't the case in the past. With ALSPs and new law operations too, for example, the legal career path has had a bit of a shakeup generally, and I think the knock-on effect is a growing appreciation of diverse skills, knowledge, and outlooks as well. I can agree to that. From what we do, we、um, often see customers meet、uh, in customer meetings. We often see not only our, our lawyers and、um, probably、um, senior management participating in a meeting, but we also are seeing. Legal project managers and legal operations specialists turning up to the meetings now. Sebastian, what are your views? Yeah, it's interesting. So、uh, I'd sort of pick up from the responses to our, to our survey as well.、Uh, generally speaking, we, we're seeing these roles more so in large corporates, as expected, where in-house teams tend to rely、uh, on internal professional help. So there are a lot of、uh, new positions being created for those, such as project managers, and more reliance on them than、uh, external consultants. In terms of private practitioners,、uh, there's still large、uh, reliance on、uh, software vendors for support and outsourcing solutions. And some rely on external consultants. So that's that's interesting.、Uh, drawing from my own personal experiences, when I first worked with an engineering team, I was pretty much shut out from the technical processes, as it was thought that lawyers could not add a lot of value to engineering. But in fact, the end deliverable was legal tech to be used by legal teams for legal processes. So I went、uh, and and paid for my own coding classes at night,、uh, just so I could speak with the engineers better. And the improved customer satisfaction levels spoke for this. As more legal teams recognize the value of delivering legal services with automation and analytics, we'll see a greater need for interdisciplinary skills and talent. And the Hong Kong Academy of Law recently held two coding classes for lawyers with a focus on robotic process automation.、Uh, they were surprisingly popular and will be held again soon.、Uh, so we'll need to see whether the talent pool in Asia will grow quickly to match the need. And whether the right structures, incentives, and education will support it. Sebastian, you have set a very high benchmark. If that is the normal, you are a physicist and you are legally qualified, and now you know how to code.、Uh, no, not at all. I think、uh, it's just my own personal、uh, passion project. And when I first started out, it doesn't seem、uh, you know very relevant to each other at all. Interesting, Sebastian and Elizabeth. To conclude, why do you think legal innovations are important? Keen to hear your parting thoughts on the business case for prioritizing technology and innovation in the legal business moving forward. 
If I can start with you, Elizabeth. Technology is changing the way we work across the board, really. As a journalist, I value technology that makes my work easier or improves my access to information, for example. It's, it's the same with law firms. I would say technology can support firms to be more productive and agile, but it also sends a message to clients too. When talking to firms about this, a number have told me their clients ask them explicitly how they use tech, and oftentimes they expect quite a sophisticated answer. In ALB, we cover tech quite a bit because it's often the conversation that firms view as critical, not necessarily because they want to plug their own tech or their own product, but they want to send a message that they're ready for change and they're excited about the future too. Yeah, Elizabeth, from my experience speaking to a lot of law departments, we definitely are ex- seeing that the law departments are expecting more from the uh, law firms that they're working with in driving innovation and use of technologies. What do you think, Sebastian? Well, I think uh, I can see a lot of uh, uh, that trends as well, but I think the old adage still holds true, which is that while everybody wants change, nobody wants to change. And innovation is a very difficult thing to do, but it's with the right commitments, uh, it will pay off and it's very worthwhile. Uh, so we'll need to see how legal innovation can be sustained, not just as a, a buzz or not just in terms of talk, but more sobered commitment and action. And the availability of tech is shaping our attitude towards innovation priorities in the profession. So this is culturally reinforcing trend, which is a very positive thing. Based on my own professional experience, corporate innovation projects can be fragile somewhat and can be put down by complex organizational structures and cumbersome decision-making and compliance processes. But as I said, their payoff can be substantial in the long term, ensuring the company's market leadership even in adverse sales conditions. So understanding this means to your business will truly move the needle in the long term. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Elizabeth and Sebastian, for joining our legal podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks, Polly. Thanks, Polly.